This is the Resonance AI Podcast, conversations about the future of media. For our fourth episode, we spoke with Ralph Jacob, former president of Verizon Digital Media Services. To start, I asked him what it now means to live in a cookie-less world. In the old day, when you consume a piece of content, be that either in digital display, an article, or any kind of video, there were um, cookies set in the browser or in whatever viewing device you have. That information then was kept in cookies. The cookies were placed into browsers and to viewing devices, and the next time that you ran around into another article, this type of information is then being used to say, "Mm, this is relevant. Um, He just watched an article about X, Y, and Z. Let me pull up this ad that might be relevant to something that this end user has done prior. And this is the world that that has gotten so dangerous that regulators have said, um, this is infringing on one's privacy. We need to overcome um, and and, uh, abort what has been happening here with with cookies. It is just getting too deep into one's privacy. It was particularly uh, a bane um, in the European market where regulators said, we're not going to allow this anymore. PII or personal identifiable information is what then caused um, the regulation of GDPR and disallowing this type of cookie that was placed to travel across multiple domains, different sites, being able to sell that information. And so the rules are saying now, you can't do that anymore. Uh, if you take the, the big incumbents in the ad industry right now, if you take guys like um, Google, Facebook, um, the agencies that support them, the trade desk, et cetera, um, the DSP and SSP services that are part of this ecosystem, it all revolved around the fact that I had a, a specific knowledge about certain users. Just think back of how many years you've been now using things like Google search engines or how long you've been on Facebook or how long you've you know, interacted on Instagram or now TikTok and YouTube. This information compiled and built a profile about you and anybody else that you know interacted on those sites, and that information is being used by the advertising agencies. That was the currency. When now the regulators are saying GDPR and CCPA, you can no longer use this personal identifiable information. It put a jitter in this entire industry, bar none. Every single one of the big advertisers that are making billions of dollars are now scrambling, trying to figure out what else can I do in order to identify an individual's interest or interest level uh, or profile without infringing on personal identifiable information? So how do you think this will be tackled in 2021? The trend seems to be that particularly for CTV or connected television and and media consumption um, is to understand what content is being watched It is expected that 2021, a lot of um, CTV organizations that focus on on surfacing contextual understanding through AI and machine learning, et cetera, um, will probably find ways that will attract uh, advertisers the way they were attracted when they could use cookies. Technology companies that are trying to understand, uh, get a better understanding on what to do now uh, about 
understanding content that is being consumed. Um, I think we'll have a field day in 2021. There's so many companies that are now trying to figure out and become of value to advertisers. And as these AI engines get smarter to deduce what are they actually watching, et cetera, um, we'll feed information back to the advertisers and they, within milliseconds, will react and say, I'm going to pull up this and this ad. I, I want to segue here maybe for a moment into what ATSC3 and IP multicast might actually offer. It's been around, this technology has been around, but the FCC just regulated that particularly ATSC 3.0 protocol is now a two-way street. For the last 80 years, television has been um, a one-way street. Somebody produces a piece of content, sends it out over the wire or over the satellite, and it's being consumed, and it pretty much ended right there. You don't know who sits behind the television. You didn't know anything. With the event of ATSC 3.0, and to some degree, certainly with when IPTV came about, right, there is a two-way communication going back from the end user to potentially back to the broadcaster or the content owners. That, that protocol that I just mentioned, ATSC 3.0, is um, IP multicast, i.e. it's broadcast internet where I can now, as a broadcaster, use this protocol to learn about who might be the end user, are they interacting, are they pausing, etc., and then do certain things with that content and react how the playout stream might actually end up looking. So there's, there's lots of new technologies that, that, I shouldn't say new technologies, these technologies are now just coming into light more than they have been in the past because uh, of regulatory changes. Like I said, the FCC just uh, ruled on the use of certain spectrum to be used for low power television. And they could now start to use these types of new broadcast signals uh, to do exactly what the internet and IP protocols have been trying to do over the last 10, 15 years. So let's move on to a different topic. Now that we're in the midst of the streaming wars, there is a, an acute focus on subscriber growth for platforms, but there's also a large amount of account sharing. Do you think that these platforms are better suited allowing this account sharing to continue and deal with it as the price of doing business, or should they be looking for ways to tamp it down? Um, the industry is expected to lose some $52 billion by 2022 because of password sharing. Right? There was a report from a company called Nice People at Work that said Netflix is actually losing upwards of $192 million every single month because of password sharing. Right? So I think there is an, yeah, it's staggering. Uh, and, and, you know, Wired Magazine said nearly 190 billion visits were made to illegal privacy websites in 2018. So the reports are a little outdated, but it's not gotten better, it has gotten worse. Right, how many people are actually sharing. And there is, in my opinion, um, an opportunity for companies to cope with this. One company that I'm involved in is actually called StreamGuard, and they have found a way how they can cope with the effect of, of password sharing, where they can eliminate that man-in-the-middle uh, um, uh, intrusion on a viewing session you know, people stealing passwords. Sometimes it's just as easy as Shane giving me his Netflix account and now I use your password. But 
shouldn't there be a technology that figures out that chain cannot be in three places at the same time or at least put a limit on it? Organizations like Hulu and Netflix, I think, have done this, but not necessarily to the degree where it will save them um, um, a lot of money. You can pay a few extra dollars for Netflix or for Hulu to stay, you know, unlimited screams in your household, but only four different people can actually watch it. What does this mean? Does this mean now five people in my household, I have three kids and a wife, um, can watch each each can watch their content in the house, but as soon as I start to travel and I'm outside of my household, now I can't watch that content anymore. Those are the issues that are being uh, uh, addressed right now. And companies like, like StreamGuard has done um, a pretty amazing job. Remember the, the number, $52 billion in, in losses. Finally, what trends in media technology are you seeing that maybe not everyone is aware of? Um, well, I think one, one trend I already mentioned, I think, um, you know, for the past 10, 15 years, everybody was talking about cable cutting. I get it. The end user is more in control of what to watch than in the old world, right? And so I think the opportunity here now is, is the problem of IPTV uh, um, addressing what is a bane in the content creator's neck um, which is the internet wasn't built to move large files. And believe it or not, but there's 162 million uh, people in the U.S. that still can't receive broadband IP television because of um, the ISP service that they have. Less than 25 megabits per second is all somebody can set into rural and suburban areas, right? So the, the unicast nature of, of internet and internet television um, is an opportunity, um, there's an opportunity to address that. And as I mentioned earlier, I think the combination of IP multicast in conjunction with ATSC 3.0 to enhance companies and services that the ISPs are uh, rolling out like 5G and Mac environments where I have huge payloads and I have big fat pipes where I can deliver content that is the trend that I'm seeing. I mean, yes, 5G is a race and AT&T and T-Mobile and Verizon, they're all bashing each other's heads in and saying mine is better than yours. The trouble with that is they can't reach all of the households. The old way of doing it, using you know, um, broadcast television signals um, with, in conjunction with, with IP multicast and, and ATSC3, I think there will be a trend. People are now revisiting the old way of doing this because they can penetrate rural areas that uh, um, never had a chance to get fiber or coax cable laid into, you know, farmland that's miles and miles away from the next metropolitan area. And I think that is, that is definitely a trend that I'm seeing uh, um, and companies trying to solve for now. And the interest level, particularly from large organizations like uh, um, Fox or Disney or um, a, a lot of the studios out there that spend billions of dollars in producing high quality content with Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision, et cetera, they're frustrated that they spend so many billions of dollars and then it ends up being streamed at a quality level that is you know, commensurate to uh, an SD feed instead of an HD feed or ultra HD feed. 
that problem needs to be solved. There is a movement now by the likes of Disney Plus and HBO Max, and you've seen now Peacock and NBC doing this, um, to get towards direct-to-consumer initiatives where these organizations are rolling out um, services that allows those end users to access their content exclusively and only on those platforms. The piece that is missing, and that is the trend that I'm referring to, is you need to assure that the quality with which this content arrives at that household is at the quality level that the content creator intended. It doesn't matter that you're sending out a 4K signal and it arrives in an SD format because of the inability of today's unicast and internet services not to cope with, with bandwidth congestion. Well, the new trends, and this is what I meant with FCC regulating and recognizing, is as saying, if we adopt ATSC 3.0 as a format, right, the next five or 10, maybe even longer probably, we are going back into a way how internet content can be consumed using those types of technology, IP multicast and ATSC 3.0. And I think that will definitely circumvent the issues uh, of unicast and it will provide, because of the nature of ATSC 3.0 also carrying a data layer, to feed information at the time of consumption of content back to the broadcasters. And that is the most valuable currency that they can get. The data and viewing behavior of the end user while the content is being consumed. The Resonance AI podcast is produced by Random Inkara and Shane Mailing. It's hosted and edited by Shane Mailing, and our music is by Damian Johnston. To learn more, go to resonanceai.com.